Okay, guys, welcome to another huge episode of Triggered. Today, we're going to be joined by former New York congressman, former gubernatorial candidate, former armed services member, and chair of the Leadership America Needs Pack, Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin's uh, a congressman from near where I used to be from before I left the People's Republic of New York. But Lee is also an incredible America first voice. He's doing an incredible job building the movement in deep blue states like New York. He ran a great campaign for governor and he's constantly talked about as one of the most common sense, honest and productive political minds there is. He's literally responsible for the majority that we at least held before all these retirements uh, in Congress today. He brought over so many people in New York that literally were Republicans that won Democrat plus five, six, seven, eight, ten points. And those seats are now held by Republicans. So while it's a tight margin, Lee Zeldin is single-handedly, in my opinion, responsible for the conservative majority we held that is allowing us to keep the House. It's probably not going to help us get a lot of legislation passed, but to stop some of the insanity put on us by the Democrats. So this one's an important interview. Uh, I'm excited about it. I think it's a model that can be brought elsewhere, a mentality and a work ethic that we probably need to see more of. So it's a big one. You're going to enjoy it. Guys, Make sure you are liking, you are sharing, you are subscribing, okay? Sharing is a key to get this messaging out, right? I keep myself on Rumble because I believe in the message. They're truly free speech. I'm not everywhere uh, else. Get it out there so people are seeing that. This is the last line of defense for free speech. If you miss it here on Rumble, we put the stuff up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but I'm sure they're not going to do anything to promote that for me. But it is there if you get your podcast this way, you know, say when you're traveling or otherwise. But this stuff is important. We need to help get the message out. Also, another big deal, when you're on Rumble, subscribe, you know, put on your notifications for this podcast. I'm not like all the other guys. This isn't my day job. I really enjoy it. But I'm only on on Mondays and Thursdays, and so it doesn't become a part of your routine. Like, I got to tune into Don at, at next time because it's two days a week. If you have your notifications on, you won't miss the shows. If you miss the shows, come back and watch them on Rumble. Make it part of your routine and share it. But it, it really is all of you who make this show possible, along with some very brave sponsors, okay? Be sure to check out the great folks over at Gold Co. Uh, it's a new year, but... We see the same economic warning signs, inflation, reckless spending, global turmoil, Biden caused disasters each and every day. I simply want you to be prepared and owning tangible physical inflation hedging gold and silver can help stabilize and secure your portfolio. You can safeguard your savings. That's a big deal, especially when morons are making decisions for us and you can do it tax and penalty free, okay? GoldCo has top-notch customer service. They'll answer all your questions. They'll walk you through the whole process and educate yourself. Again, there's ways to do it tax and penalty free. So learn more by going to donjuniorgold.com. D-O-N-J-R gold.com. Learn more. Educate yourself. 
Also guys, don't forget about the incredible people over at Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. We gotta support the companies who support us. And I have a feeling folks, if you're watching a podcast, you're gonna have a cell phone. So have your cell phone with Patriot Mobile where you can put America first with every call while getting the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers. But you can do it without giving them your hard-earned dollars and having it be weaponized you from, against you from woke corporate America. You can keep your phone number, okay? You can keep your phone. So literally nothing changes other than you're no longer fueling endlessly the beast that hates your guts. Patriot Mobile provides you dependable wireless service at an affordable price, putting your dollars into action, and they literally support freedom-loving values across the board. I've seen it. They, these guys have gotten involved in school board races to make sure your children aren't being indoctrinated by lunatics. They donate a portion of every dollar to support groups that fight for the First Amendment, the right to bear arms, the sanctity of life, and protecting our brave police and first responders. So again, you can keep your phone, you can keep your number, and you can get free activation by going to patriotmobile.com slash triggered, okay? That's patriotmobile.com slash triggered. Okay, remember like AT&T's parent company and the guys that own Dish Network literally tried to cancel OAN and Newsmax, conservative programming. You can keep sending them Every month, your hard-earned dollars, or you can actually fight back and have people who are in your corner. Go to patriotmobile.com slash triggered, just like the show. Change it up, fight back, and again, you're keeping your phone and your number. Like, you're not giving anything else up. We gotta vote with our wallets. Guys, with that said, joining me now is my good friend, uh, veteran, congressman, a gubernatorial candidate, a true fighter for the America First movement, Lee Zeldin. All right, guys, uh, we're gonna have some fun with this one because this is actually someone who's a, a very good friend of mine. Someone, I think I've done more political fundraisers for Lee Zeldin Set the record. Uh, than probably anyone else. Now, it, it was a little bit easy when you, you were based, you weren't my congressman, but you were like a zone over. So right. it, it, was a, it was a quick jump leaving New York City to get to, you know, reasonable conservative people in New York, and that exists. And I think, Lee, you ran for governor. And uh, honestly, I think we owe you the Republican caucus in Congress right now because you brought four congressmen uh, from New York uh, over a line that really helped save the House. Now, it's still a tight margin, which makes it brutal. But but talk about that because I feel like there was a sort of a universal you know, likability to you that we don't often... <laughs> <laughs> including myself, uh, don't always ingratiate ourselves to the other side. How's that work? You know, 2022 should have been a national red wave, like all across the entire yeah. country. If Joe Biden in charge, but it's one party Democratic rule in Washington, they're screwing everything up from the border to foreign policy, the economy, energy policy. Why is it that just in a place like New York, and we saw it in a couple of other locations around the country, Republicans were showing up the way that they should, and we were getting independents to vote for us the way that they should. Uh, in New York, we were, we were campaigning hard. We started early, 19 months early. We were taking nothing for granted. We were going to the cities. We were talking to longtime Democrat disenfranchised voters. 
and we were not pandering. We were showing up and talking about issues that mattered to them. We were generating earned media on the rising crime in New York City, people getting stabbed or pushed in front of a, an oncoming subway car. The Democrats were not there, Hochul, Adams, others. So we would have these press conferences the next morning saying this is bad. We have a prosecutor like yeah. Alvin Bragg refusing to enforce the law. We need to fire him. This is what we need to do to have safe streets again. And that message isn't just something that connects inside of the city. But if you live in the suburbs and you get your news in the morning or the evening from broadcast yeah. where they're, they're covering the story. So we were driving the message in the suburbs. And we found that you know, in, on Long Island, New York 1, New York 2, New York 3, New York 4, we won all of them. Upstate, we won New York 17, New York 19, we almost won 18. In the Syracuse area, we won New York 22. We, were at, we ended up with six House seats. There are six Republican freshmen who won in seats that Joe Biden uh, won in 20. Oh, wow, I thought it was only four, but okay, so... Six fresh... I guess six four fresh gave, it gave us a four-seat majority, but it was six that were, like... Democrat plus districts that were won by Republicans. Yeah, four, right. four Democrat held seats ended up uh, being uh, flipped to Republican. And I mean, thank God that we're not dealing with, uh, you know, Speaker Pelosi or Jeffries or, yeah. you know, Jerry Nadler in charge of the House Judiciary Committee is a lot different than you know, Chairman Jim Jordan in charge of the House Judiciary Committee. Yeah. Uh, so the impacts of these campaigns, um, I think there's an important lesson to learn as we go into 2024, we have to get in the cities. There are these disenfranchised Asian-American yep. parents and Hispanic and, and black voters and Orthodox Jewish voters, and they feel like the Democratic Party is harming them. Yeah. But we well, have to they're right. Them. I mean, you see those videos out of, like, Chicago right now, right? Like, yep. where you have, you know, a group of African-Americans probably never voted for a Republican ever, and they're like, this is ridiculous. You're destroying our children. Our and it's not even just about safety. They see the immigration crisis. They see that... They, too, are now being treated like second-class citizens in their own city, and they see it's all coming from one place. I mean, but New York was interesting. It's like it's still, you know, deep blue New York that we were able to do that. Why didn't it resonate elsewhere? You know, because it didn't make any sense. And now, obviously, Joe Biden, and they're doing it again recently, you know, bribing. We're going to just get rid of all your student loans. Congratulations, Mr. Plummer. You can go pay for some kid to get a, you know, a gender studies degree and— you know, they'll continue to vote Democrat as long as we're doing that. But how did it resonate there, and, but not many other places? Because it doesn't make sense. I mean, you, it, you're you up against such a bigger machine there. What what can other Republicans do to, to make that happen? I'm going to give you three quick ones, and I'm going to throw another one in for honorary mention. Number one, you have to work as hard as you can all in, taking nothing for granted until the last ballot is cast and counted. There are people out there who are guaranteeing red wave, red tsunami, and they weren't working for it. Yeah. But uh, talk about that. Expand on that because you're right. Like there, there are people in Congress who work really hard, and there are people who do almost nothing. And and it's amazing that you can kind of get away with with the latter. I have no problem with people being optimistic. If you want to say there's a red wave coming, there's a red tsunami coming, and you're going to bust your butt to make it happen, yeah. hey, God bless you. Being optimistic, that's a good thing. But if you're going to be guaranteeing that there's a red tsunami and you're going to use that as an excuse for not doing anything, and for some people guaranteeing red tsunami, they're not even going to vote, man, that's a big pet peeve for me. Yeah. Like, we need everybody right now doing everything in, the, in their power between now and November 24 until the last ballot is cast and counted, and no one can use optimism as an excuse not to bust your butt. And, and around the country, 
you had a whole lot of people who were not working as hard as they should in order to win. That's number one. Two is we need to run as a team. You have primaries. When the primary is over and you pick your candidate for state legislature or for Congress or or governor or, or president, you now have a team, the ballot you guys agree on so much campaign together because if yeah. you're talking about different issues, you're stepping on each other's message. You're not working hard. In the military, we call it force multiplication. Uh, it, you're not multiplying each other's effort if you're not firing in the same direction. Mm-hmm. The third piece uh, is that a, a wave momentum is created not by what you're against, but what you're for. Yeah. So in New York 1, my congressional district in 2016, yes. A lot of people hated Hillary Clinton. But the reason why my district went from an Obama, Obama, Trump district, and it, but it wasn't close. Like yeah. it was a Trump plus like 12 and a half. If you asked voters why, they would tell you, folks who were like weren't that engaged knew they would tell they, they would say, we need to build a wall, we need to stop common core, we need to make America great again, we need to drain the swamp, we need to repeal Obamacare. Like the Republicans are really good at white papers. Yeah. But President Trump in 2016 wasn't out there saying, Hillary Clinton's bad, vote for me. The Democrats are bad, vote for me. And just expect that to do the trick. To actually create a movement, yeah. it's what you are allowing people to envision of what they're getting if they give you that, that uh, power. And the third, the, the, the one piece that I would add on top of, uh, of that point, the honorary mention is, uh, once the Dobbs decision came out, if you are a candidate for office, and it's now September, October, you are going to have debates, yeah. and you are going to act oh, I shocked when you get asked a question about abortion. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't think about what I might say in response to this. There are candidates out there who knew, obviously, questions are coming. Talk, talk about what you believe. Uh, answer the question directly. But instead, yeah. it's you not a gotcha a question. Point. I mean, 2024, the Democrat. I mean, they got nothing else, right? Like. It's going to be about that. And I like, mean, I, I can see that coming they, because they have. They, what are they going to run on? They've done a great job controlling the borders. They've done a great job controlling inflation. They've done like they've destroyed everything. But they're going to try to fearmonger on that one. And I mean, there are places like New York where they've legalized abortion until the end of a pregnancy. They, they've yeah. gone so far they can't go any further than they have gone. The idea that I was going to get to September and October and be surprised that a question would get asked. So I talk, I leaned into it. I, I spoke about it. And you know what ended up happening? At the end of the day, the campaign was decided based off of the issues that were most important to voters. Crime, the economy. We were getting over COVID. Education. There were so many other issues that were more important to voters than that one issue. But if I was surprised at the end of the day and I didn't have a good answer for it, like some of these candidates did across the country... Well, now you've created an issue because you embarrassed yourself so badly with that question that was asked. So I would just throw that in as an honorary mention if you look back at 22. Why was there, no na- why was there not a national red wave? No. I-, I would say we, got- we have to work harder, campaign as a team, talk about what you're for. Um, but also, don't be naive to the questions that are coming. Be smart, ready for how to answer it. You know, so you know, I, it was an interesting time. And now, you know, at 22 and now you go 24. New York's an off-cycle year, right? So New York governor doesn't go back until 26. You know, it's almost like they needed another two years. Like, I wish we were on cycle and you were running for governor right now because I think there's actually it, a better chance. The people I see in New York that are just so sick of what's going on, you know, they... Uh, the Eric Adams, you know, oh no, we're, we're a sanctuary city. Oh, well, wait a minute, we're not a sanctuary city anymore. I mean, the displacement of veterans from 
uh, literally publicly funded old age homes to make way for illegal immigrants for free. It, it's mind-boggling to me, the insanity uh, that is happening in these cities. I mean, does it ever get where, like, New York City's just had enough? Do they, do they see it, or are some of the people, they are either, you know, too sheltered. The Democratic Party has too much control of sort of the, the lower, you know, economic demographic. And then the rich ones, you know, hey, they don't care as much because they, they would rather virtue signal and get some invited to the cool person party. The migrant crisis, the, the amount of illegal immigrants who have made their way to New York City since November of 2022 has now created a new number one issue. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it went from not top three to the number one issue, and uh, they're failing miserably on it. And you don't have to be a registered Republican. We're hearing from independents and Democrats. Even Eric Adams said, this is destroying the city. There are registered Democrats in New York City who register Democrat because they want they say that they want their vote to count. That a general yeah. election doesn't uh, matter as much because these races are usually decided by then. But if you're a registered Democrat, you can vote for the most normal city council candidate. So there's a lot of Democrats who are conservative and moderate Democrats. Uh, a lot of them on Staten Island. I mean, we we won Staten yeah. Island by like dozens of points. And that is a, a, you know, a very heavily populated area of independents and Democrats, too. Uh, I found that there are Asian-American parents, when you show up, and again, you don't pander, say, you're not, you're not there to say, I love Asian people, vote for me. Don't do that kind of identity po uh, politics. Yeah. It doesn't work and it shouldn't work. But when you say that you believe that we should not get rid of advanced academics in the name of equity, that we should not get rid of merit-based uh, yeah. merit entry in specialty schools. Let's take the school. smart ones and make sure we really screw them over. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we want to make sure that they're doing math in class that they were doing seven or eight years ago so as not to offend someone else. Now, by the way, I think that actually ends up being significantly worse because if you're that kid in the class that is underperforming and everyone knows your shit, I mean, you're just like, well, I'm just never going to, why even bother? It's so insane. Yeah. And they, by they, the way, they, they oppose critical race theory. They have members of their own community getting killed, pushed in front of an oncoming subway car, stabbed to their death in lower Manhattan, beaten to death on the street with a hammer. I did uh, the Breakfast Club when I was running for governor, and I was supposed to go in for a 20-minute interview. You know, as you know, yeah. that, you know this, is, this is where Hillary Clinton pulled out the hot sauce. This is where Joe yes, Biden which said— which was one of the more genuine— <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone ever believe that Hillary Clinton's ever even had hot sauce? No, but it's such pandering. Talking but, about pandering. But they get away with it because, like, they have enough people that are basically on the payroll to push it. The, the, when it gets really bad, big tech will suppress it. No one in the media will write about it. You know, it's we're just in such a different battle. Yeah. You know, we don't get the benefit of the doubt on anything, even if it's 100% obvious what it was. But you, you bring up the example of Chicago, and it also is another good example. You see what's going on with Charlemagne the God from Breakfast Club, where I was going for a 20-minute interview. It was, it, I ended up spending an hour and 20 minutes. And the interview was going really well, by the way, until we started talking about January 6th. And uh, you know, Charlemagne the God was trying to get me to like, you know, try to create, you know, going along with these legal opinions and theories that just were not accurate. I've been an attorney for 20 years. Uh, yeah. So then it went probably a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you're a veteran, an attorney. Like you get like. I was going to play along with. Do you think like the most heavily armed group of people in the world, meaning conservative Republicans in, in the United States of America, would show up to the first ever unarmed insurrection where the tour guides were armed? Hoping <laughs> now we know this now from the exculpatory video. You didn't know it for a while, but it it doesn't fly. The narrative is bullshit. 
He he wanted. But he held. But he was still holding on to that. So so I, you know this is where Joe Biden shows up and said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Charlemagne the God has now started to become very critical now multiple times over recent uh, over this recent you know, couple of weeks where he's crit being critical of President Biden and the Democrats. And I think the message really needs to get out to the Democrats, but for Republicans, it creates an opportunity um, for us to go talk about conservative solutions. You have you have a, you know, some black student, a kid trapped in multi-generational poverty. There's a better performing charter school that's a half a mile away. Their kid should have access to school choice and quality education. The, the Hispanic worker, they're just trying to get to the bodega and be safe. But when they get attacked, like Jose Alba did, it's the bodega worker who gets thrown in prison yeah. and slapped well, hundreds of thousands of dollars. What about Daniel Penny? Uh, was a little while ago, he's second example. degree manslaughter. I'm like, wait a minute. So everyone, literally everyone on the train, says we were scared for our lives. This guy was a hero. Now a chokehold can I, like, but there's also sometimes you just have no other choice, right? If a guy's going freaking like everyone is on his side, except the I'll cops, except the people who make the decisions. Like they're they're trying to force you. To never be the guy to step in and and be like it's almost like you know what if they're attacking your children just let them kill a child you can make others right it's it's fine but you, you know, God forbid I mean the guy's got a thirty paid rap rap sheet he gets the benefit of the doubt every time the other guy's a military guy a hero everyone that was a witness there said we feared for our lives everyone said they had you know they, they didn't think he did anything wrong whatsoever it doesn't freaking matter because he's going to be dragged out there like a political pawn he's the inverse to george floyd who was also a political pawn utilized perfectly by the democrat party to create you know uprisings and billion dollars in damage and you know, but you know, the people who, you know, you can burn down Portland and Seattle, it doesn't matter. That's in the name of social justice. Therefore, we're not gonna we're not gonna do anything. And and it's sick to see because they're more than happy to play with the lives of heroes. Uh, I guess to put everyone in order, be like, you just you know, let it happen. Yeah, and Kamala Harris are raising money to yeah, bail out these rioters. Uh, they had cashless bail on their national uh, platform in, in 2020. And we went through this period where on social media, all of a sudden, people were showing the videos of these incidents and the comments that you'd see in reply to the video is uh, how bad it is that none of these people who were taking the video were jumping in to protect that victim. That was a conversation right, left. A lot of people were making that same observation. But when you see what happens to someone like Daniel Penny and some of these other cases, now you start to understand why there's so many folks who are sitting there with their cell phones and not getting involved. Now you go get yourself involved to do the right thing yeah. in order to protect people who are getting attacked. You may end up being the one who ends up getting uh, charged by that prosecutor if it's a prosecutor like Alvin yeah. Brett. And by the way, if three dudes put down their phones and actually helped, they could probably subdue him with an arm bar rather than a chokehold. But as yeah. someone who wrestled it, whatever, like. It, 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 when you're one-on-one -on -one and you could be outmatched or outweighed, it's like when they put those restrictions on cops, it's like, so the 150-pound female cop is not allowed to put a chokehold on a, on a guy that's on speed and weighs 250 pounds. She's going to get manhandled. It's, yeah. it's just, the, like, it's not even close, but you put all those limitations on it. The problem is in a fight like that, you know, you're hamstringing yourself, but the other person won't. And if you do it, and if you do, try to save your own life, and if you have to fight the way you have to fight to survive, you're going to jail. They want to get rid of the qualified immunity. 
Uh, you're going to lose your pension, your home, your marriage, probably. They, 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 and they don't even have your back. It's, it's lunacy. And, and the crime that we see is the result of that. And if you change races, then well, it's, it's, it's like different. a different... Well, the laws change. The application of the law changes inside a prosecutor's office like the Manhattan DA. I remember in the, in the Bronx, and this is a different district attorney, this is Darcel Clark... Uh, there was a, a guy, Jesus Cortez, he was knocked cold into a coma. The guy who, who hit him put on a glove, the glove had steel. This thing was a weapon, deliberately punches Jesus Cortez into a coma while he's sitting there in a coma. The cops put together a case, charge attempted murder. They have all the ducks lined up so that the person who punched him would stay in jail. The prosecutor reduced the charges, so then that guy ends up getting let loose while the victim is fighting for their life. And there are prosecutors like this across the entire country who are either in office or others who are candidates for office. These local races, uh, they matter. I mean, we, we... Are these all like, the, you know, quote-unquote, like Soros-type DAs? Or are there others that just believe in this insanity? And Soros's network funds... Like, there's no larger donor that I'm aware of uh, funding these efforts to get these prosecutors in. And, and getting these prosecutors in, that's just one piece of it. Uh, the, the defund the police agenda was a lot more than just money in defunding. Yeah. And there, there's policy changes that they want. In New York, uh, they implement Castle's bail. We're the only state in the entire country that doesn't give judges discretion away dangerousness. We uh, passed something called the HALT Act. That's a new law that was passed up in Albany by the Democrats. Getting rid of the tool of solitary confinement. So corrections officers now are having a hard time maintaining good order and discipline inside a correctional facility. Uh, they passed something called the Clean Slate Act, a new law uh, that in 2023 was signed up in Albany where all sorts of convictions, including up to um, like, like manslaughter, homicide type charges were included where the slate was just wiped clean as if it never even happened. It was, you know, these records sealed. And if you're... Yeah, so, so there's a difference in like prison reform, which we, you know, some guy that's in jail for seven years for smoking weed... Uh, versus this, which is just, yeah. And then they'll use the example. a clean start to someone who committed manslaughter while they're still serving a sentence. And they'll use the example of the person who was caught smoking weed as if you're not including all these other offenses. The person who actually started this push, because I was in the state legislature for four years back in the day, was Danny O'Donnell, Rosie's brother. He was the original person who was pushing this uh, he's actually still in the New York State Assembly. You know, you think Rosie's bad, Rosie is bad. Uh, Danny, <laughs> Danny's actually like in office getting legislation like this passed. Uh, and we're just like scratching the surface. They come back into Albany, it's one party rule. And what you see coming out of a state capital like Albany might be coming to a city or state near you. The sanctuary state policies in New York, the state sanctuary city policies coming out of New York City, you could say, well, I don't live in New York, so this doesn't matter to me. Well, this is where AOC comes from and Chuck Schumer comes from and Hakeem Jeffries and others. Yes. And they're this now the amazing. voice of the Democrat Party, right? There, Amen. there is, I will say, hey, guys, like, there's probably some great, there are some great blue-collar Democrats across the country. The problem is they don't have anyone representing them in Congress because they won't get the California and the New York City and the Soros money or whatever it takes to actually get into a leadership position. So they may exist, but if you're voting for them, it's it's futile at this point because they have no one in power. The voices of the Democrat Party today, the thought leaders of the Democrat Party today are the most radicalized of those voices. Yep. Sure, there's a couple that are reasonable, but... 
but they have no power. And guess what? The one thing the Democrats do do well is they just get in line. Leadership says this, we're going to do it. And that's why you see these policies being enacted and then pushed on a national scale. It's why you see people who are in, let's call it purple, or live in, you know, Democrats who live in, you know, rather conservative areas are still voting for this other crap. And then they go tell the people what they want to hear. No one's going to call them out. No one's going to push them in there. Media will suppress the, you know, the Republican opponent from being able to get that message out there. So it seems like they're doing you a big favor and you're doing great. And they're, they're not really for those things. But the reality is they're all complicit at this point. Yeah, exactly. And if, if you claim as a Democrat that you're not one of them, like AOC, then I want to know, in order to show the rest of the world that you're not a coward, are you speaking out against them? You know, I hate when you see these like Democrat governors and mayors who are saying the federal government is not doing enough to secure our southern border. But they then want to blame the MAGA Republicans as opposed to putting the pressure on Joe Biden. Yeah. Because he's the one Joe that actually Biden the White House. Shut this border down, just so we're clear, because they're going to start this one. It's like, you know, they'll use, you know, a, a, the fact that there's basically no majority in the House. There's nothing, you know, uh, they're going to use that. And they're going to try to flip it. Like, I don't know, we could have given you something. If you rolled over and everything, this, this bill that I'm reading about now, this Langford bill, and this is a Republican senator agreeing with Chechen. 5,000 illegal immigrants a day, every day, forever guaranteed. At any other point in history, okay, at any other point in history, that would have been the highest number we even imagined. So it's an open border. It's yeah. an open border. They'll push everyone else through. It's, it's almost guaranteed amnesty, and the Republicans are too weak to actually fight this thing. Jay Johnson, when he was in the Obama administration, he put out some number like 2,000 or 2,500 a day, like... Whatever the number was, a thousand, he put out a number that was a lot less than five thousand, essentially saying that anything more than that was a crisis and emergency. We all said from day one, as soon as Biden got sworn into office, that the policies that he was implementing was going to cause this crisis, yeah. was going to cause this emergency. He comes in, and stops construction of the border wall, ramps up catch and release, attacks the Customs and Border Patrol agents, gets rid of Title 42, gets rid of the Remain in Mexico policy, and now you have these Democrats who are acting as if Congress is the lone entity that is able to fix this. Joe Biden proved, and by the way, no way, you could, and then you could say, you know, Donald Trump proved during his four years, that the president can do many things yeah. himself or herself to be able to get this stuff done. Joe Biden is proving that there's many things that the president can do themselves in order to be able to open up the border. President Biden, I, I, one of the best examples I, I saw that really puts a, a highlight on it was J.B. Pritzker uh, puts out a letter to the White House, calling on the White House to do something about the open border, yeah. Democrat governor, and there was a paragraph in that letter telling that the White House, uh, suggesting the White House should put someone in charge of this whole issue. Wow, what does that say about Kamala Harris, the borders are? What does yeah. that say about the Secretary of Homeland Security? They, everybody knows. So to your point about the far, like the, the Democrats today, if there's a Democrat out there who wants to claim that they aren't far left, that they're not radical, that they are somebody different and special, well, I want to see your courage in speaking up against your own. I got like Fetterman, man. I I, I was yeah, I and many others were, like very critical of this guy, 
And like he's now like on multiple issues proving to be the, the Senate Democrat who actually makes the most okay. sense. Uh, by the way, I agree what, with you and I've said What that happened? Again. He's frank. I, I literally put out a tweet two weeks ago, whatever it was, saying like, hey, he's more based than half of the Republicans in the United States Senate. I mean, he's no J.D. Vance, but like, I'm like, I'm agreeing with him. But I also understand how the Democrats operate. Are they letting him do, do you think it's him on his own? Because in all, you know, in all fairness, you know, we, we were also questioning his mental acuity for quite some time. Do you think it's him on his own? Or do you think this is the ploy to be able to then march him around Pennsylvania with Joe Biden? Like, no, 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 we're actually moderate. We're the good guys. These are what we believe in. And Joe Biden's gonna buy into this, so vote for us. Just like they told him, hey, we're not gonna cancel your, you know, the Keystone Pipeline. We're not gonna do, we would never do that. So people are like, okay, well, that's, that's a good one. Day one, canceled. I mean, yeah. it, it feels like, dude, I just don't trust these guys to be honest dealers. There's and, no, and fast tracking Nord Stream 2 to help the Russians transport. Yeah, no, what, what could possibly go wrong? Like, let's give them more money. It's so, you know, to me, it feels like a psyop, but I agree with you, and I've said it, but it's like, I also don't want to get over my skis and right. pretend that there's. there's literally anything that these guys wouldn't do to maintain power. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just surprised to see that, you know, like when there is some type of a, you know, pro Hamas demonstration going on and you know he shows up with you know his yeah. israeli flag I, I, it's like i talked about that one too you know like why isn't schumer and the others doing it uh i i don't know you know exactly what's going on with fetterman's health i don't know you know his views on 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 a lot that he hasn't spoken up on yeah. all i know is that this is the direction that many senate democrats should try to go down if they want to start demonstrating that they are anything different than, than the far left, because if you're silent post October seventh, while you know anti-Semitism is on the streets or they're ramping yeah. up inside of higher ed, they're in the halls of Congress with uh, with some anti-Semites who are actually serving there. I I want to see these Democrats. If you want to claim that you're not them and that you're something different, in moments like these, stand up and be willing to take up your own take on your own party. The folks who are taken to the streets, who are dressed like Hamas. Who are using rhetoric like Hamas? They don't vote like for Hamas, us. If it dresses like Hamas, if it speaks like Hamas, it's probably Hamas. They're not voting Trump or Zeldin. Well, so but that's an important point, right? You're Jewish. Uh, you see what's going on in the streets of New York. You see what's going on on college campuses. It's not a protest to say that you know a Palestinian people should have a right to exist. It's literally. A Hamas did the right thing. This is a necessary thing in a war, you know, raping women and children in the streets. That's a difference. I mean, I, it, it was shocking. I'm watching it, and listen, it happened at my alma mater. I went to the University of Pennsylvania. When I was at Penn, the undergrad population was like 60% Jewish. They, like, amongst, you know, everyone there, they, they literally called it, you know, instead of UPenn, they called it JuPenn. Like, it was a joke, but like, it was kind of funny, and it was based on just the facts of the demographic. They're one of the ones that were unable to denounce, like, the promotion of Hamas. That was one of the, you know, Harvard, MIT, and, and by the way, it was a plague everywhere. You see the riots and the protests in London, and this, I'm like, oh my god, like, these guys are chanting for the death of an entire religion. Um... I didn't think this was possible. And yet in New York, which is also heavily Jewish, right? It's going on, and I'm seeing Jews chanting along with them. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, it's, it's literally like a scene out of like Dave Chappelle's like the black white supremacist. You know, what the hell is going on? That here? queers for Palestine, yeah, it's like, shutting down the Brooklyn Bridge. 
Hamas would kill you. They would throw you off that bridge well, in did. a heartbeat. There was a, there was a gay activist in Palestine. They literally, they just killed like three weeks ago. And I'm like, the guys, how's this working out for you? The queers for Palestine. I will pay for your tickets to go over there to see how it works out. I don't recommend going to the top of a building because you're probably not taking the elevator down. I remember in, in 2015, Obama's pushing the Iran nuclear deal. At the end of 2016, a uh, UN Security Council resolution is getting passed. U.S. doesn't use uh, our veto power. We let it go through, essentially you know, seeking to ethnically cleanse Judea and Samaria. Trump comes into office, and he, you know, he puts a good team together, and you have the moving of the embassy in Israel to Jerusalem, signing the Taylor Force Act into law, the Abraham Accords, recognize Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. President Trump, with I was on stage with him. It was Republicans and Democrats when he signed a new executive order to combat anti-Semitism on these campuses. And then the Biden administration comes in and so much has been heading in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we see on these college campuses as this was heading in the wrong direction before October 7th yeah. hit is that, it is that the Biden administration and, and Democratic governors, we had this issue in New York, this was an issue during the campaign, they're, they're like afraid of a certain aspect of their own base and they're not challenging these issues head on. Like you have to identify and confront and crush anti-Semitism when it rears its ugly head. When when Rashida Tlaib or Elon Omar want to sound off with, with nasty anti-Semitism, if you want to graduate and celebrate your commencement uh, event at the CUNY School of Law, you have to sit through a vile, hate-filled speech yeah. of somebody who is anti-Semitic. Just at the City University of New York, there was one example after another, Jewish professors having to resign because they don't okay, feel yeah, welcome but, yeah, anymore. All of those people still voted Democrat. Okay, uh, the, the vast majority of Jews in New York vote Democrat. Like, and it ain't even close. I mean, I think we probably get a component of the Orthodox community, or most of that, which is a much smaller subset. Um, and it's really all about religious freedom more than anything else, right? They, but they've been Democrat donors. They'll continue to vote Democrat. They'll continue to push the nonsense. Uh, how it, it never made sense to me. And yes, Penn is. They, they took the step of removing their president, but that person stays on payroll, stays as a yeah, member Harvard, of the faculty. Same thing. Harvard. Same issue, also caught plagiarizing. Well, we're going to, she's going to keep her million dollar salary. She should have never been president in the first place, but it was a DEI hire. We understand that now. We see it, but, but they go all in to protect it and at all costs. Yeah. And there's no consequence for doing it. So I guess it's a, just an easier existence. If the two of us were sitting there at a congressional hearing and we were asked a question by anyone, of whether or not calling for the genocide of <laughs> fill in the blank, whether or not like that violates your one, code right? of conduct, like how do you stumble on that? Like it depends on the circumstances. Like no, you you can't do that. There's a line. Eh? We have it is important yeah, that we because protect it's not free, speech. free speech, right? We got we got to be clear it about crosses that. Crosses a line. You're not. You're if you're part of an institution, I can't just show up you know, to Trump org and scream whatever I want and expect to keep my job. And like, physically you know, prevent like, somebody from getting to their classroom. No one's saying you can't do this, but no one's also saying there aren't consequences to your actions. They Locking have a someone in a building at Cooper Union. the lives of people. Make them, you know, at a, at a university, especially one getting government funding, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and, and your, your activities, your actions are actually forcing people to 
stay inside of a building waiting for law enforcement to come yeah. get you out. Like, this is not Well, then free watching speech. the left then try to make it a free speech argument, it's like, wait a minute, for the first time in history, you're now okay with free speech? I'm like, I remember when you canceled literally anything that said anything against you guys about it. So it's, it's that hypocrisy that pisses me off. You know, more than anything. Yeah, and you want to have a an event inside of a classroom at a college, and before your event goes off, the opposition comes in and tears up the classroom. Yeah. And, like, at the end of it, like, beyond the intimidation, like, the actual acts of, like, vandalizing the room, it's like, no, it's just, it's it's free speech. We want, you know, independent thought. Like, if the shoe was on the other foot, oh, 100%. you would be kicking the the Jews out off of campus if they were... Trying to do that to well, the group. How about conservatives? Like I, so, I, I've spoken at college campuses around the country. Did a lot with you know Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA. We've had the protests come in the room. You know they won't do anything about that. But I think you know it's a uh, you know we've had a place where you, you sell you know X number of thousands of tickets. Well, we're going to give you a, a, an arena to talk where it only holds X hundred. I'm like no no no, but we have 10, 15 times that like already sold. Yeah, you're just not like we're going to give you the illusion that you have the ability to get it out there. But like big tech or like the mainstream media. You know, let it out there, but we're never going to let it actually get to a critical mass. Yeah. We're never going to let it get to a point where you're actually able to speak to everyone that you want to. We're going to limit it. So we're always working from that disadvantage. Yeah, Trump, uh, Trump's executive order that I referenced, which, by the way, should have been a law. He signs this executive order. I, I believe that we should be uh, defunding or withholding or leveraging tax dollars going to a university where students are unable to get from their dorm room to a classroom, or they're getting locked inside of a building because of folks who are protesting them, where you have a president who's unwilling to say that calling for the genocide of Jews violates their code of conduct, why are we funding as heavily these universities when civil rights are being violated, when you're crossing that line and it's no longer protected free speech? Because they're speech. one and the same, though. So how do you separate that? Right, right. No, no one in Congress is ever going to vote to defund a university because that's where they're they're starting their indoctrination into the Democrat Party. It's starting much earlier than that. The teachers' union has a grasp on our children from kindergarten on. These are the same people that want to force transgenderism. They want to cut parents out of every aspect of every decision-making process in this child's life. You know, these are people parents parents' rights. Like, what? Do you, what? Do you, what on earth do you mean? It's like, wait a minute. Like, how? But again, it. It is so extreme. It's so insane that we're even having this conversation, and yet it's a very real conversation. It's happening. You know, a three-year-old couldn't buy a pack of cigarettes, couldn't get a tattoo, couldn't do this for 15 years, but no, no, no. They cut the parents out, and, you know, they're, they need to get their gender-affirming care or whatever the hell they're talking about with this bullshit. Like, it, it, it's happening. Yeah, parents want to be in charge of their kid's education. Making the decision to send your kid off to a school is not a relinquishment of your rights to be able to control the upbringing of your child. But there are people on the left and there are teachers unions and there are Democrats in office who want to implement a, and in many respects have already done it, where when the parent sends their kid off to school that they are relinquishing their ability to be a parent and control the upbringing of their child. And you, you need conservatives to be able to fight back to make this right. You can't just be silent on this battle because the, the left, they are all in. I remember you know, President yeah. Trump had this max pressure strategy on Iran. Right now, you're seeing the left with on, on a very different issue with a max pressure effort in our schools 
to create a system of brainwashing and indoctrination instead of just providing a quality education. You see Max pressure campaigns from the left on many different issues. Well, that, I think and we have to identify that. That's how they... I can't think of an issue that is a big issue of the left that isn't a max pressure campaign. That's the problem. Everything they do, they're all in. You know, we'll sit there like, okay, well, we really believe this, but like, it's not that much. I don't, I, you know, I don't want to be yelled at by someone in the Washington Post who literally hates my guts, hates my politics, hates the people who I actually am chosen to represent in their home state, wherever that may be. And, but and but we capitulate. Now, I, you have done many episodes and you've had a lot of people on and you've said a lot of things through uh, your shows and otherwise. If anyone was to re-listen to what you just said, like that right there is one of the most important points of what is happening at this moment in 2024. Mm -hmm. And the lesson is that everything that the right believes in, that conservatives believe in, don't be timid, timid about fighting for it. What you see the left doing is it's max pressure on everything. Everything. There's, Our not, there's not a single issue that's not max pressure. There's not a single issue you know, that they wouldn't you know, forego everything. And, uh, and we need to and, do that. We, we need to provide, be, be all in fighting for what we believe in. And stop trying to make believe like this is the politics of you know 10 years or 20 years ago. Or by the way, in many respects, still the politics of today. Yeah. With this go along, get along, people who are still inside of Congress and elsewhere and just want to survive past their next election. Yeah. In order for us to get actual victories on what matters most to protect the republic and our flag and our freedom and our liberty, it needs to be max pressure. Not just, you're not checking a box. We need to increase our standards of of what it is that we believe is necessary in order to actually win. So uh, I, I said it, so obviously I agree with you, but we, we, you do have a different, and you, you see this probably better than anyone in New York. I try to explain it to you know, some of the guys on the show. You know, you know, if you're Matt Gates in an R plus 97 district, you can go all in on those issues. If you're you know, Mike Lawler in New York, in a Democrat plus 13 district who happened to win because you know crime is rampant, people are waking up a little bit, you know, there are issues that are going to be – it doesn't seem to hurt the Democrats, meaning you can be a lunatic, you know, abortion till six years after birth, you know, kind of Democrat, and it doesn't seem to affect them. But we do have Republicans that cost us sort of that bigger thing. And, I, and I, by the way, I understand it because I understand in their district it will be weaponized so much harder against them. How do we level that playing field so that, so that we can move – you know, you know, move forward together and actually win. If you want to step up and be a member of Congress or a state legislator or a governor or a president or whatever, you need to understand you are signing up to be a messenger and to, in, to lean into communication. You are going to take some tough votes. You have to have the willingness to be able to explain to your constituents why it is that you voted a particular way. In some deep red district, they don't need to provide an explanation. Right. Some do it anyway. If you are in a district that Joe Biden won heavily and you have to take a vote to, let's say, you know, impeach Secretary Mayorkas, it's one of the things that's being discussed right now, you have to have a willingness, an ability, a talent to message and communicate to your own voters to explain why you're taking a position that maybe, even though they voted for Joe Biden, that person you're talking to, that they can understand what you're thinking, what your rationale is. There are too many people who are stepping up to run who are not good messengers, they're not good communicators, they're quite frankly lazy, 
and they don't want to take the tough vote. Yeah, because it's like, well, now that it, I'm in Congress, I'm in the big leagues. I'm just going to stay here, so I'm a Republican that's going to vote Democrat. Like, and I'm like, well, I'm just like, that. The other side doesn't have that problem. Yeah. It, you know, it, even the moderates go full in on the crazy. And you end uh, up, like, your own base ends up wondering, like, well, what's the point? Because you give them a choice between a Democrat and a Democrat light. I've always approached, I mean, I was, I was a New York uh, member of Congress, and I, I was, you know, I would have Sorry. the most conservative yeah. voting record of you know, any member of Congress in the Northeast of this country. And I often would take votes where I would be the only Republican voting with the conservatives. And then, you know, the, the editorials and I would constantly get hammered for it. I understood. I, I wasn't caught off guard. I knew that casting the vote was going to be a headache to have to explain to people, yeah. especially when you're the only one, Republican and Democrat in your entire state voting that way, but you have to be willing to do it. You have to be prepared. Sometimes that, that shitty vote is gonna happen the day before Christmas. It's gonna be some omnibus spending bill that just, it's like a Christmas yeah. tree and they just add everything on it. I would be maybe the only person who would vote no, and then folks would say, well, oh, you're voting to shut down the government. No, I was, th this is why I voted no. You explain it to your people, you lean into it, you do the interviews. Yeah. Um, we just have to, uh, this is what you're signing up for. You wanna be a member of Congress and you especially wanna represent a purple or even blue district, mm -hmm. um, be prepared to lean into some tough votes and explain to people or heck, you know, maybe just tell them that you're not going to be voting as a Republican up front. And, and not only would Democrats be happy to hear it, but I think a lot of Republicans would like to know that too, ahead of time. Yeah, right? I, 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 think, I think it's important. So you know, sort of speaking of which, one of these things that, you know, the difference between sort of the image that's created and reality, I'd like your opinion and the, your, your assessment of Mike Johnson as Speaker of the House. It, you know, obviously they removed Kevin McCarthy, and I know a lot of people had some problems with him, but they were, it, what do you think? It's you, a it, it's there. a tough position. I, I serve with Mike. Mike and I were actually on uh, uh, President Trump's impeachment defense mm -hmm. um, team on that first impeachment, uh, and and he's he was a smart guy and he con he's a constitutionalist and you know he he, he it, think of this like he was able to get with all the chaos a unanimous vote of the most conservative House Republicans. And the most moderate House Republicans, they all voted for him in unity when a lot of people were concluding that no one would be able to get the votes. Mm -hmm. The majority is very slim. It's a very tough job. I want to see, as someone who spent eight years in the House Republican conference, I want to see these guys be successful because there's so much at stake. Ultimately, I don't see anyone sitting inside of that speaker's position with a majority that is, you know, 219 once the, the open seat comes with uh, Bill Johnson who's vacating to be the president of university. Uh, I don't see this year being a situation where we're ever going to be happy. Well, no, you're, okay, you're not going to pass legislation, right? We, we, we get that. You're not, there's, but, but can you stop some of the insanity? Yes, I mean, absolutely, you know, we have to. The, 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 whether it's a shutdown or this, you can you can shut down the government, but still say, hey, we're going to shut down the, but we will agree to pay our debts because the Democrats will leverage. Oh, and you can't default on our debt. There's, you know, and by the way, there's plenty of people watching this right now. They're going to be like, that's bullshit. Dot. It's like, no, no, no. You don't understand what that would do in our economy. Like, if you, like, we would no longer be the reserve currency of the world, which may do us a favor because at least we won't be able to spend on bullshit, but we also wouldn't be able to spend on basically living at this point with all the bloat. We got to get rid of that stuff, but it's not so simple. But you, you also need the resolve to do that. So my, yeah, when I look at it, right. I'm like, 
He's a nice guy. He's a smart guy. But there is something about being also politically astute. Yeah. And you, you know, say what you want about Chuck Schumer. These guys are, you know, are they are they rolling him in these things? When I see the picture, he's coming out with Mitch, and we're getting along. And I get the photo op and this, but like, it, 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 you know, are these guys getting steamrolled because they just don't have that ability to function within that world? And that's just. It, it takes a different kind of animal. It, you gotta, the animal is the word. You have to fight the fight. The, the Senate Democrats, and in many respects, you won't see it out of you know some of the Senate Republicans who are sitting at the table. You know, you're not going to get it out of the White House. The yeah. last line of defense in 2024 is the House Republican Conference. So everything that matters, understanding, by the way, that voters, yes, will have an opportunity this November to correct a lot of what is wrong. But between now and then, in order to be able to defend our republic, to secure our borders, to keep this uh, administration accountable, we need Mike Johnson and the House Republican Conference to be outperforming expectations. Uh, I just happen to believe that it is going to be a difficult year, but even though it's difficult, listen, I, it, there's no excuse oh, it's, it's for not getting it done. Like, yeah, we'll give you a little, we'll give you a couple bucks for for the border. It doesn't actually solve anything, but you're going to give us another sixty billion to perpetuate the death and destruction and mayhem of the Ukraine war, which Ukraine has exactly zero chance of winning. Yeah. Because you know, someone wants their board seat at Boeing, so they'll spend sixty billion dollars to make you know a six-figure bonus next year for them, and that's the problem. I mean, we're fucking our country over with these decisions. And like, when do we say enough's enough? We do have to take the risk. Sure, the Democrats will message a shutdown better than we will. The media will be all over it. But when do you have the resolve to actually say, I don't care. It's the right thing to do for the American people. And then we got to get out there and actually fight that battle. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I as, as someone who did not vote in favor of multiple uh, Ukraine aid packages, uh, I am not intimidated by what is now the responsibility to explain to people mm -hmm. why I have a position that I have. And I think that the Republicans need to do a better job calling on this administration to identify exactly what winning is in Ukraine because they have no idea and they haven't articulated it. And we should not be providing aid towards a foreign conflict ever without having any idea whatsoever being articulated by the administration of what the end game is. Well, how about how about like what the money's actually being spent on? Right. I mean, we, we don't have that. I mean, the Pentagon lost what was it, two hundred and twenty billion dollars last, and it's like I don't know, it just they they literally can't account for it. The same government, the same administration that wants if I have a Venmo account for six hundred and one dollars, they want a full audit, and if I screw something up, I'm going to jail. Lost two hundred and twenty billion. I'm sure that was all sent to Ukraine. And I'm sure they're getting it all back, but like they're still not telling us where it went. Yeah. And, you know, they don't not only have an end game, they're not even monitoring what's going on. I mean, we, we got random missiles all over the place. I'm sure that won't be used against us in the not distant future. I mean, every time we've armed, let's call it, you know, out of control regimes, you know, usually comes back to bite us in the ass. You know, see Afghanistan and others, you know. How come no one can say that? I mean, it's it, Mitch McConnell has said, and I've, I don't know if you've seen me do this. I, I know we've talked about it, but... You know, Ukraine is the number one issue for Republicans in America. I was like, I, I've been all over America. I speak to more more people on a weekly basis than Mitch McConnell, you know, has spoken to in his entire political career because no one gives a shit and no one shows up other than the big donors. It is it's it's not a top ten issue. I've done the surveys. I do it every time I speak in front of thousands of people, which is multiple times a week. 
One person one time said it was a top 10 issue. He happened to be from the Ukraine, so I get it. I get, I'm going to give him a pass. So if, if you take away the people who are biased because they actually are from there, exactly zero Republicans think of it as a top 10 issue. And yet our representative in the Senate that has trillions of dollars to spend, who are, who are more than happily mortgage our children's futures to the hilt, it's the number one issue. It's like, it's not. It, and, and if you it's go not one number step, one issue for anyone outside of D.C. And you go one step further and you ask the Republicans, do you want to provide more aid, regardless of whether it's a top ten issue or not? You go one step further, you ask them anyway, so do you want to provide more aid or no? Most Republicans would say no. And I think that we just touched on two what should be rules whenever the United States is ever considering the possibility of providing a dollar of foreign aid towards any conflict anywhere is whoever is in charge must be required to define exactly what the mission is, what success is, what's the end game. You have to actually have a strategy to achieve it. And secondly, to your point, which is absolutely right, there needs to always be a full accounting. And when a member of Congress is asking a question about how this money is being spent, they get attacked as if they're like unpatriotic. No, it's our job. You're members of Congress, you're stewards of the tax dollars. You have an obligation to tell your constituents that you asked the question. And not only do you ask the question, you actually know the answer and here's the answer. I think these are two rules that, you know, right now we're having this conversation in 2024. If it was 2044, it, would, it should still apply. It should still withstand the test of time and be two things mm -hmm. that needs to be part of the process yeah. to even consider a single dollar of foreign aid to a military, uh, to a foreign conflict. Yeah, well, it's like Mitch has been there for 50 years, whatever, you know, he's glitching, he doesn't, it's, it's almost like he doesn't realize, like, it, it isn't the Cold War still. It's like, oh, we gotta take out Russia at all costs. I'm like, I don't understand, for Ukraine, like, a country that was literally listed as even by many US standards, as more corrupt than Russia before, I'm sure this is not a big, graft ring because of course it is of course it is you know our sanctions against putin has actually helped russia it's driven up the price of oil which is allowing them to continue the war forever they're getting off the reserve currency of the united states because our sanctions prohibit them to do it so they're going to trade uh with the saudis and the yuan and china and all that i mean we are literally screwing ourselves in this whole process while bankrupting our country and depleting our stockpiles for if we ever actually had to defend ourselves, which we don't seem willing to do because our border's wide open. But, you know, the Ukraine border, we got to make sure to really lock that one up. Yeah. And as somebody who is critical of Ukraine, the corruption has been there a long time, one administration to the next, that's a real issue. As somebody who is on Putin's, you know, permanent sanctions list and <laughs> permanently banned from visiting Russia, but using this particular conflict as, as an example, what matters most is what is in America's best interest. And how can you ever be more concerned about a nation, another nation's border when you are not providing the proper attention and focus to your own border? And I'll say one other thing, by the way, about this whole Russia versus Ukraine, this would not have happened if President Trump was still in office. Yeah. In, in August of 2021, when we were doing a fatally flawed withdrawal from Afghanistan that just a, a total face plant that turned 13 Blue Star families into Gold Star families, you know yeah. Putin was watching because he wants to go in Ukraine. You know that she is watching, he wants to go into Taiwan. North Korea ramps up the missiles after it, the, te the test firing of missiles. Iran ramped up their uranium enrichment. The whole world watched and they concluded that we had a weak 
underbelly, yeah. a vulnerability we at the highest level of government. We gave them every excuse they needed to do what maybe they wanted to do anyway, but they would never have done underbelly. I don't believe Russia ever would have gone into Ukraine in the first place if President Trump was still in office. Yeah. I, I, I'm convinced of it. And well, I President also, Trump would have said, hey, guess what? We've always had this thousand-mile buffer zone between NATO and you. You know, we're just going to bring them in. It's like, that's all he needed. He, he's been waiting to, if he wanted to invade, that was the excuse he needed. If he didn't, we almost forced his hand. It's, it's, it's lunacy. So, you know, the next thing, you were floated. Uh, you were floated as, you know, possibly taking over the RNC. When I asked you for your assessment of Speaker Johnson, what about the RNC? How, how do we do that to fix that? Because, I, you know, I see it here all the time. I mean, there are people that are uh, very, let's say, disenfranchised from the RNC. They're more Trump than anything. And, you know, the number one question, I get, how do I donate to Trump without donating to... And it's like, it's a problem because we do understand the infrastructure of that to help the down ballot stuff that you're talking about. That'll be what I want to ask you about next. It's it's all critical. What do you do? I mean, they, they floated you there. You weren't even seeing a member of Congress. And they were like, hey, put Lee Zeldin in his RNC, and I think you do an awesome job. But how do we fix that? So I'm, a, I'm one of the chairs at the America First Policy Institute, and we have a C4 called America First Works. And we have, we've been working with conservative groups, uh, you, you know, Turning Point, uh, and others reaching out to different demographics uh, across the country, we're filling gaps that, quite frankly, shouldn't be gaps. Yeah. And I am not going to sit here and tell you that I think that everything that we can identify that needs to improve with the Republican Party is going to get fixed by November. My top priority is making sure that President Trump uh, gets into office in November. We need to keep the House we need to win back the Senate. There's going to be other important races on the ballot. Uh, I believe that the, the RNC needs to lean more heavily into voter outreach. Um, if a state legalizes ballot harvesting, listen, I, I think there shouldn't be ballot harvesting in all 50 states. It's a bad thing. If the state wants to legalize it, the RNC needs to take the lead in making sure that Republicans are ballot harvesting better than Democrats yeah. to the yeah, point we, Democrats we, are regretting. But you can't it. change these laws unless you're in power to actually change them. And we've seen, you know, even in places like, you know, the, the left will strong arm the Republican on the commission and, okay, fine, I'll give you what you want. Just please leave me alone. Don't hurt me. It, it, it's brutal. But we got to play the game based on the battlefield. Whatever the battlefield is, we, get, we can't just forfeit the game. So and you said something important about the down-ballot races. I mean, how, how do we focus on getting those guys that are there, that are electable, strong, sort of America-first candidates, get them to win down-ballot races in, like, Ohio, Arizona, Nevada? Uh, you know, there, there's so much out there. And, you know— how do we set up that system to make sure those people win so you don't have the Republicans just sort of just roll over and die every time the Democrats would like them to? Um, because I think that's how we effectuate the most amount of change. Uh, I support, so you mentioned three states in Ohio. Uh, I support Bernie Moreno as one of his first endorsements. Um, he's in a competitive Senate race. Uh, this is a seat that we have to win. We should mm -hmm. win. We should have it right now, but we don't. The Democrats are in the seat. Uh, I, hopefully Bernie is successful in his primary. He'd be an amazing senator. Uh, a great senator um, in Ohio right now is the junior senator, J.D. Vance, who's doing an amazing yeah. job. Uh, it would be great to get Bernie in. In, in Arizona, Carrie Lake is, is running. My message to all those Republicans who are out there that you know, if you care about a, a higher stake, uh, a moment in time where we have to defend our republic, uh, regardless of whether you did everything in your power when she ran for governor or not, um, I am asking you out there, anyone out there in Arizona, 
uh, to help make sure that she's the next senator from Arizona. And yeah, it, this is our last chance on the Senate map, right? Because, it, you know, there's only 100 senators. It's a six-year term. It's, it, it's not like Congress where you're running every two years like a dancing monkey. It's a, you know, you're there. This is the last time where we have, let's call it, you know, good candidates in purple states that we could actually make some gains in the Senate. And you see with these close tiebreakers that you end up with a stalemate that just a disaster. You know, it's literally like a decade before we have a, a another favorable map where it's not just, hey, the, the people that are coming up are hardcore blue states, like, you know, New York, you know, coming up and forth. Like, you're not flipping a seat there. You know, this time you have Arizona, you have Montana, you have Ohio, you have places that are, you know, clearly, like, we could actually make gains if we fight it right. But after that, it's literally like, I think, I was talking to Steve Daines uh, from Montana, and he was like, it's literally like 10 years before we get another chance to ever change that demographic towards our favor. And when you win one of these Senate seats, as you point out, they're there for six years. It's also, if you want to think six years down the road... It's easier to win that race six years from Correct, now because you're in because the senator incumbent. is in there. Uh, in in Nevada, there's a uh, there's a, there's a candidate who, again another Republican primary. Um, there's a guy Jeff Gunter. He was uh, the U.S. ambassador to Iceland under President Trump. Uh, but that's a competitive primary. Uh, yeah. I, I support uh, Jeff Gunter in that primary. He's a little bit more of a uh, of an underdog there. Um, but wherever you're tuning in from, all across the entire country. Uh, get to know these down ballot candidates, yeah. but and, and, and again, involved. not just down ballot in Congress. Let's be clear: like yeah. Congress State is great, the Senate is great. Like, run for your school board. Find the person who's not like a lunatic trans activist trying to indoctrinate your children. Like, we gotta get. In, like, honestly, we're almost at the point where, in my opinion, the Democrats and the radical left have subverted so much of the hierarchy. We almost have to do it the other way. Right, and this is kind of yeah. I want to win the presidency. I want to win all these houses, but like we also have to go bottom up, the lowest, at least on paper, you know, importance races. You know, the school boards, uh, you know, state legislatures. Like, get involved because that's how they did it. They took it from all the way there and they corrupted everything throughout the way. We got to get in there and take those things back over and and create some reasonableness from the bottom up. Yeah, th this is uh, it, it's so important. The drop off that you go down ballot. People will show up, they will vote for president, and then they'll walk out. Yeah. And uh, you end up helping elect more Democrats by doing that. Yeah. They, like, when the Democrats are successful in convincing their voters to not just vote for the presidential race, but to go vote you know, blue all the way down to the end of the line, at the end of the line, there are important races for judges. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you, you're turning over the entire judicial branch if you don't go down to the bottom of the ballot. It's your local uh, local races, and by the way, if somebody slips in for some town supervisor position, you're actually helping that person. Maybe one day that Democrat get elected to the Congress. Yeah, they might become your sheriff. Congressman. You, you, all, all, town supervisor. You're right. I mean, these. Who do you want making your decisions? The reality: the ones that will progress will be the most radical. We've seen that they're doing it all the time. If you get a liberal sheriff, you're not going to have anyone enforcing crime. There, but they'll be well funded. Like. We got to get involved from from the bottom up. You know, before we came in here, um, Kim pointed out that it's been seven minutes since the last time you did a fundraiser for me. Uh-oh. No, no I, I just want to say uh, thank you because uh, from very early on, actually, when I first ran for Congress, and I wasn't even, I wasn't even in Congress yet, uh, it was a very important, high-profile endorsement 
in a competitive Republican primary where millions were being spent against me. It was the Trump family uh, all in in that race. They were the uh, high profile early supporter. It put us over the top. We ended up going from down uh, to, we ended up winning by you know 20 plus points and every step of the way. And this is before you know your, your father was a candidate mm-hmm. Uh, for office, you guys have always been amazing, and it's not that you know Donald Trump Jr. has done a fundraiser for me once. Uh, I'm talking about like we've lost count. I, yeah. I, who knows we, 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 we've how many events you've done? And what a lot of people don't realize is how much time you're dedicating. You never asked for 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 anything. You weren't asking for like you know money or endorsements, right? Like you've never asked for anything. You don't do that from anyone. You're just doing it because you care about the country. Or and I'm a schmuck, one way or the other. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're a patriot. Yeah, I believe in this stuff. You're, you're so. a good man. And for any, everyone who's tuning in, who, who follows uh, Don, um, thank you. Um, we need to get this, this message out. And uh, I, I, I wish that we could clone you and have many others like you who have the balls, max pressure, to go all in on the causes that are most important to us. And for everything that you've done involved on the east end of Long Island and in New York, all of your help through the years, it really means a lot. I want to say thank you. It's my pleasure, man. Thank you for all. By the way, Lee's the same way, man. Just steadfast and loyal. I know you're, you're traveling with my father as, as we leave from this. So I know you got to get rolling. But uh, uh, appreciate everything that you're doing out there. You've shown that you know, even in places like deep, dark, blue New York, you can actually make a difference. You don't just have to cede you know, one of the biggest states in the union. We can fight back. We can win with logic, reason. And if you have the work ethic, a lot I got to say one thing quick. New York is 22% Republican. But we got just under 50% of the vote. I don't care what state you are from tuning in. Uh, I bet you, you probably have a lot more than 22% of your state registered Republican. And even in a state like that, we got just under 50% of the vote. Uh, so I hope that we end up with an expanded map. Yeah. That we go on offense and we make history this November. Let's do it, man. Thanks a lot. All right, you got Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay, guys, make sure you're liking, you're sharing, you're subscribing. I see how many people are watching this live, and I don't see the same amount of likes. Let's make sure we are actually getting this message out. So share it with your friends. Send them a link to the podcast. Because I'm only on two days a week. It doesn't become a part of everyone's schedule. I'm on on Mondays and Thursdays. So make sure you're downloading the Rumble app and putting your notifications on so you don't miss this. And if you do miss it and you get your podcast a different way, you can get it over at Spotify. You can get it at iTunes Podcast on Apple. Like, get it that way. Make sure you're hearing it. Make sure we get the message out and we keep fighting. It's because of you guys that we can do this. But also check out our incredible sponsors. The folks over at Gold Co. are doing an amazing job. They take some guts to support programming like this, but you can hedge against the insanity of the world in which we live in, protect your financial well-being and that of your families by learning more and going to donjuniorgold.com. That's D-O-N-J-O-R-Gold.com. Let them take you through the process. You can do it tax and penalty free, but learn how to hedge, learn how to protect, educate yourself. Go to donjuniorgold.com. And by the way, Don't forget about the incredible patriots over at Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. You can support the companies who support you or you can support those who hate your guts. Remember, Big Mobile, their parent company of one of the big networks, AT&T, wanted to cancel OAN and Newsmax, literally eliminate conservative programming from their cable. Like, think of how insane that is. You can keep giving your hard-earned money to people who have those values or 
you can go with people who share your values. You can also, when you switch to Patriot Mobile, keep your phone number. You can keep your phone. The transition is quick and it's easy and they donate a portion of every dollar to groups that fight for the First Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, the sanctity of life, protecting brave police and first responders. They're out there literally fighting and winning school board battles. Okay, think of how important that is. Think of how much guts that takes. Think of how few people in corporate America would even consider doing that. So you can fund your enemies or you can support people who share your values for fast, free activation. Go to patriotmobile.com slash triggered. That's patriotmobile.com slash triggered. Again, you're getting free activation. It's quick and easy. You can keep your number and you can keep your phone. Seems like a no-brainer to me, guys. Go to patriotmobile.com slash triggered, and I look forward to seeing you guys soon.